This information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice. Please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products, or services of any of the participants, persons, or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is as current as December 23, 2020. Aloha, and happy holidays to everyone out there. I hope you're doing well as we close out a very interesting 2020. I'm Evan Leong from Brain Gain Hawaii, and welcome to the 18th Save Hawaii Jobs and Businesses PPP webinar for December 23, 2020. We decided to do today's webinar on such short notice because of the recently announced PPP2 in the new stimulus bill. Please let me introduce our team for today. Darren Leong, is from the law office of Darren R. Leong, and he's a specialist in employment law. Stacy Katakura is the CEO of Accumulus, which is an outsourced CFO and accounting firm. Jeff Harris is a senior name partner at the Torkelson Law Firm. Buddy Leong is the executive director of Virtual Student Experiences and handles our communications backend and chat box. Coco Leong is the chief marketing officer for Virtual Student Experiences and is in charge of content, video editing, and the YouTube channel and podcast. Beckett Wren is the head of communications for virtual student experiences and is handling the show notes. Questions will be taken during this webinar through the Q&A module only. If you post it in the chat box, it will not be answered. You can upvote questions in the Q&A module and we will do our best in the latter part of the webinar to answer them live. Disclaimer for today, this information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or tax advice please consult your attorney or accountant to discuss your particular business situation. SBA's participation in this presentation is not an endorsement of the views, opinions, products or services of any of the participants, persons or entities. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. This information is current as of today, December 23, 2020. Let's get started with Darren Leong. Thank you and happy holidays. Hello everyone, happy holidays. Um, so uh, just to sort of reiterate um, Evan's point, this, this webinar is our 18th, but it is going to be very similar to our first, uh, which is that the text of the stimulus, the new stimulus bill um, just came out a, a couple of days ago. It hasn't even passed into law yet. Uh, we don't have any rules from SBA, we don't have any rules from Treasury, and we're going off essentially reading a statute um, that is uh, a little bit thick. It's uh, buried in a 5,500 page document and refers to changes um, and inserting and deleting from a, a prior statute. So that's a very long way of saying uh, this is uh, what we could glean from the statute so far, but we thought it's important enough um, because I think many of you who are on this uh, call got a first PPP and are waiting for the, uh, for the second to arrive. And this bill is the second. It's what's called a second draw uh, paycheck protection program loan. And uh, we thought we would do this really timely because the amount that's allocated to the second draw and for some businesses uh, a first draw PPP loan is 284 billion. It's, ex it's significantly less than what was uh, appropriated the last time. However, the eligible recipients uh, this time are narrower. The, the bigger recipients that took the $10 million loans and such are going to be excluded this time around. So on balance, we don't really know whether there's going to be too much money, enough money, or not enough money. And just in the precaution that it's not enough money, we want as many of you as possible to be ready and prepared so that uh, when it goes live, uh, and, and hopefully it won't be like the first time it went live in the first round, if you remember back in uh, April, 
uh, hopefully it will be smoother, but we want you to be able to get your applications in um, at the earliest possible moment, just in the event that there might not be enough money. So uh, let's uh, go over uh, some of the changes and the new PPP. Um, and we'll talk about some other aspects of, of the law as well. Uh, and then we'll take some questions. Uh, I'd also note that um, the, the, it's still a bill, it's not actually law yet. So both um, chambers of Congress, the House and the Senate passed what has been labeled as the Economic Aid to Hard Hit Small Businesses, Nonprofits and Venues Act. Um, we will just call it the new stimulus. Um, the president has not signed it. And the news is reporting today that the president is demanding uh, amendments to the law. Um, and the, the most prevalent one is he's demanding that the individual checks of $600 be increased to $2,000 and $4,000 for couples, um, which has, has caused quite a stir within uh, both chambers of Congress. Uh, so it's unclear um, when this will ultimately pass. We do think that it is, as far as the Paycheck Protection Program is concerned, that piece, that it should remain relatively unchanged once the president signs. But um, we're going to have to wait for the president's signature before this becomes law and before banks can start issuing second draw PPP loans. Okay. So um, some of the aspects and, and changes. Um, eligibility for second draw PPP loans. Uh, the major pieces of this are that the 500 employee um, maximum went down to 300. I, I think for most of you on this uh, webinar, uh, that will be fine, but you should know that the um, the 500 employee threshold has been drawn down to 300 employees. There also appear to be changes uh, with respect to the affiliation rules and, and what we think is a waiver of the affiliation rules, but I, I don't speak confidently enough at this point on that, other than to say, if you are an entity that had issues with affiliation rules the first time around, that should be followed, uh, that should be followed up on. Uh, the uh, additional revenue decline requirement, which has been widely talked about, is a, is a decline of 25% or more of gross receipts quarter over previous quarter year. So what that means in practice is January, February, March of 2020 gets compared to January, February, March of 2019. And then the same thing for the second quarter and the same thing for the third quarter. And then once we've completed the fourth quarter and we're into the next year, it's the same thing for the fourth quarter. So essentially uh, you would get four chances to qualify. If revenue dropped, um, you know, revenue was $100 in the first quarter of 2019 and it was $74 in the first quarter of 2020, this is gross revenue, not net revenue, um, then your business will qualify. Um, so if, if in any of those quarters, you had that revenue drop, that would meet uh, that requirement. For businesses that were not in business all the way through 2019, so businesses that started in 2019 or started in 2020 before, I believe it's February 15th, um, those revenue decline rules are modified a bit, um, and uh, I, I won't go over that here, but just know that there are uh, specific rules depending on if your business was not in operation for the first two quarters of 2019 and started after that, or if it started in the latter part of 2019, or if it started in January of 2020. There, there's different um, rules regarding this 25% gross receipts decline. Uh, there are additional entities that have been added to um, qualify for PPP. Uh, those are housing cooperatives, 
news organizations or certain news organizations, destination marketing companies, and probably the, the big one uh, for Hawaii, other than the housing cooperatives, is 501c6 nonprofits, so membership organizations. Um, lobbying organizations, though, are excluded. So uh, regardless of whether they are a 501c6 or, or otherwise, um, lobbying organizations are not eligible. And then there's also a provision um, making entities that are uh, owned or controlled uh, by Chinese entities or that have Chinese nationals sitting on the board they um, also are not eligible. I don't make the laws, I just report them. Um, loan amount. Uh, so loan amount is uh, the same in terms of 2.5 times uh, payroll costs, monthly payroll costs. So it's two and a half months of payroll costs. So same as last time uh, with some adjustments, you can, determine that 2.5 months either from one year prior to the loan or 2019. So you actually, those numbers are probably gonna differ somewhat in terms of what your higher payroll cost number is. And so you would use the higher amount of one year prior to the loan or 2019. Um, and the maximum is no longer 10 million, uh, for second draw loans, it's now two million. Um, for uh, entities like restaurants and hotels, um, which fall under NAICS code 72, um, they can do a maximum of 3.5 times at, uh, average monthly payroll costs. However, they're also still capped at that $2 million. Um, so 3.5 uh, times average monthly payroll costs up to 2 million for NAICS 72 entities. There's also a change in the covered period. So uh, previously you could choose eight or 24 weeks, um, uh, either or, and now you can choose anything in between. So it, your covered period is what you elect anywhere between eight weeks and 24 weeks. And, and this is where uh, the flashback discussion comes back in, which is, you know, we've been talking on and on and on about the two ways in which your forgiveness can get reduced, which is the FTE, full-time equivalent reductions, and also uh, individual uh, salary pay reductions. Those are going to still exist, but how they exist is going to be needed to be clarified by SBA. Uh, and the reason is because there are no dates in this statute. And as far as something like an FTE reduction, the dates are everything. So, you know, what, what reference period are you using versus how many FTEs you had in your covered period? And then there's exceptions as to if you restore FTEs by whatever date. So that date is unknown for these second draw loans. So at this point, just know that those um, potential reductions for FTEs that you then need to find an exception to get away from, that contortion still exists. The bright side of that on the other end of the tunnel, however, is that for those of you with loans under $150,000 in the second draw, the forgiveness uh, application is limited by statute. So the statute actually says that it's a maximum of a one-page certification um, and the only things that are allowed to be on this certification are to list the number of employees that the recipient was able to retain because of the PPP loan, the estimated amount spent on payroll costs, total loan value, uh, and then to attest that you provided an accurate certification, that you were complying with the use of funds requirements, and that you will keep the records for the appropriate amount of time. So the oversight 
and and auditing into uh, whether you qualify for an exception from the FTE reduction and that huge worksheet that you may have filled out at one point or looked at, if you are under $150,000 on the loan, that all goes away. And it's just this one page form. So that's a, that's a very positive um, piece of this. Uh, there have been some updates to payroll costs and non-payroll costs. So if you will recall, the requirement is to use at least 60% of the money. Go ahead. Darren, before we leave that those reductions, remember the the first time around we were comparing to when when businesses were open. This time the compare they're leaving it to SBA to say what you're gonna compare it, compare it to. And if you compare it to the full-time employees you have at the start of the loan and the end of the loan, that's gonna maybe an easier comparison anyway. That's the yeah. only thing I had there. So hopefully the SBA makes it an easy re requirement, but we're gonna to have to see what, what they do. Um, for payroll costs and non-payroll costs, and this applies uh, also to the first draw loans. So if you have a PPP loan that has not been forgiven yet, these changes, um, to payroll costs, non-payroll costs, apply to both that one and to what will be the second draw PPP loans. So on payroll costs, uh, it's been clarified what we, we thought before, which is vision and dental insurance are included in payroll costs. But what's added and what we did not believe was included the first time is group life and disability insurance. So there's a little extra tack on to, to payroll costs to help you to get to that 60%. Uh, on the non-payroll cost side, uh, they've made it, I think, much easier to make sure that you, you know, can get up that 40% that of non-payroll costs or up to 40%. So they've added four uh, main, um, Four, four main additional categories. So the first is covered operations expenditures, which is payment for things like business software or cloud computing services that facilitate the business operations or for products or services that facilitate operations, um, product or service delivery, processing payment or tracking of payroll expenses, human resources, sales and billing functions or accounting or tracking of supplies, inventory records and expenses. So a lot packed into there. I'm pretty sure that there's gonna be SBA rules that come out and talk about this, but that is that is one category. Uh, the next one is, is one that Stacey, Jeff and I uh, discuss, which we think is very broad, which is covered supplier costs. So it's any expenditure made to a supplier of goods for goods that are essential to the operations of the entity at the time uh, that the expenditure is made and that they're made pursuant to a contract order or purchase order uh, in effect at any time before the cover period uh, with respect to the applicable loan or for perishable goods in effect uh, before uh, or at any time during the cover period for the applicable loan. Um, the key part here to unpack is uh, basically it's supplier, it's goods from a supplier that are essential to the operations of the entity. That seems rather broad despite all the other language there. Um, the next is- Darren. Uh, go ahead. Darren. This is one of those points where the F and B operations got a nod. Okay, you your your uh, raw food. Your they specifically refer to the raw food here, the perishables that you use to prepare your meals. Uh, this is one place and other places where they they gave you uh, three point five. Have we gotten mm -hmm. to that yet? the 3.5 yep. months did, of, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think yep. for yeah. the F&B operations, you know, basically it, it sounds to me like almost everything on your P&L statement will be 
um, almost everything will be eligible. So your, your cost of goods, right? That, that's all your food costs. Um, then when you go down to your operating, operating expenses, your POS system, your HR costs, um, payroll costs, all, all that stuff um, looks yeah. to be eligible. Yeah, we think it yeah. should be fairly easy for, for virtually all businesses to hit the 40% non-payroll costs with these mm -hmm. changes. Because if you recall before, it was rent utilities are the main one. Rent is a very big number. And plus you have control over your covered period. So if you take a longer covered period, it's not just eight weeks, it's now you know up to 24 weeks. You really hit that threshold pretty quickly or, or easily. But in the event that you need to rely on, on these other non-payroll cost expenditures, the third category is covered worker protection expenditures. Um, and, and that's things like fixing, you know, the air vent filtration systems, that's uh, drive-through window facilities, physical barriers, all that plexiglass that everyone has bought uh, for sneeze guards. Uh, expansion of indoor or outdoor space. Restaurants have been doing that. Um, On-site or off-site screening capability. Um, PP, PPE, uh, personal protective equipment such as respir respirators, masks, etc. Uh, and, and those types of things. And there's even a catch-all here for other assets relating to the compliance with government requirements. So uh, that's the third category. And then the fourth category, hopefully no one has had to uh, have an expenditure for, which is covered property damage costs, which uh, I'll, I'll just summarize as riot damage, or maybe I shouldn't use that word, protest damage. So I, I don't think we had uh, much of that here, but that's definitely directed at New York, LA, Chicago, et cetera. Um, Okay, uh, a couple of just um, small pieces, uh, idle advances that were supposed to be subtracted from PPP forgiveness. Uh, they've reversed course on that and that's not being subtracted. So the idle uh, advance, which you're now calling a grant, that's up to $10,000, um, that does not need to be subtracted from PPP forgiveness. Uh, and then something that Jeff will cover that it is quite detailed uh, is there is a very, um, there's a very big piece of this that's devoted to venue, uh, live venue operators or venue operators. It's called the Shuttered Venue Operator Grants. Um, and if you get one of those, which have very uh, expansive terms and um, uh, substantial grant amounts potentially, uh, you can't also get a PPP. So it's it's one or the other for the second draw PPP or for a shuttered venue operator grant. Um, and then I'll, I'll leave the, the taxation piece uh, to Stacy uh, because that's also um, been a favorable change. Uh, so the last piece for me is uh, the changes to idle. Uh, they've added some money in here, but what they're trying to do is target it toward uh, low-income communities. So the eligibility, they, they've added more money, $20 billion for idle advances or idle grants, um, but it's only businesses in low-income communities. Uh, the max amount remains at 10 grand, um, but the eligibility requirements are more stringent. So max of 300 employees and also uh, economic loss greater than 30% during the eight week period between March 2nd and December 31st, 2021, or during an eight week period in that time frame, And that gets compared to the eight week period immediately before March 2nd or an eight week period in 2019. So it's a 30% it's a um, economic loss um, with, with uh, specific date frames. Uh, and then it also it's for low income communities and 
Uh, if you go on the, it, it, it's low income communities as defined by a specific statute. Um, and so there are some maps that map it out for Hawaii and certain um, areas uh, will qualify. If you look at the map, it's kind of on Oahu, it's that uh, Makaha Nanakuli area and, and um, some Waianae. There's some small spots in Honolulu, but you know, large swaths will not qualify. So uh, with that, I will hand it over to Jeff to talk about these uh, shuttered venue operator grants and then Stacy to discuss um, some of the tax pieces and then we'll try to answer some questions. Thanks. Go ahead. Thanks, Darren. <clears throat> I think just about any shuttered venue operator in Hawaii uh, likely qualifies for the the first eligibility requirement, and that's that your revenue went down twenty five percent. There are exceptions from the people that are eligible. If you're part of an organization that uh, has is a public organization, operates in more than one country, operates in more than 10 states or territories, uh, receives more than 10 percent federal funding or employs more than 500 people. But absent, absent that, if you if, if your company or some an, an organization that you serve or enjoy, um, is a venue operator, a promoter, or a theatrical producer, an independent movie theater operator, a museum operator, or a talent representative, uh, you, uh, SBA is authorized under the statute to issue a, a pretty substantial grant equal to um, at least 45% of your average monthly revenue earned um, each month in 2016 multiplied by six and perhaps more. Um, if you, as, as Darren previously mentioned, um, if you take a, if you've taken a P, you can't take a PPP contemporaneously with this grant, but you may be able, if you took, if, if one of these organizations took a PP, a first PP, the P, they may be able to take this instead of the second, the second, uh, second amount. That's that's really, and the other point I'd make about the shuttered um, venue grants is none of the payroll or non-payroll cost rules apply to it. It's just a, it's just it's it's a entirely different sort of relief that just relies on the drop in revenue. It doesn't. It doesn't appear to go through the bank banks. It, it appears to go straight to SBA. And we'll just have to wait for some rules on that. I, before before Stacy gets to taxation, I wanted to make a suggestion, and that's that th those of you that think you have a twenty a, a twenty five percent revenue drop and have three hundred employees, I suggest you put put the details together. Um, and and get ready for the application. Compare your quarters. Compare your Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 for 2019 and 2020. Make sure that you have at least one of those quarters where you have a 25% revenue drop. Get your pay, payroll evidence of your and and how how do you prove revenue? Well, in any any sort of reliable method, your, your profit and loss statement, your, um, if nothing else, just your, just your cash flow statement. Um, it's going to be, that will be clarified in, in further guidance from SBA. Um, the, the, and, and then get that to, get that to the banker that, that you worked on with the first loan. Let them know that you want to get in line for the second loan. Um, and don't wait because there is less less involved. And and um, as Darren said, it's likely that this part of the statute is going to pass. Um, Stacy on taxes. 
Sure. And uh, just um, before I uh, move on to taxes, kind of to add on to your what you just said, and there's a question in the chat about how to prove revenue drop. Um, I do think right now um, you would just want to look at your P&L statements because I can't think of any type of tax returns that are filed on a that show your revenue that's filed on a quarterly basis, unless you happen to be a GET quarterly filer. Um, but uh, I, so I'm not sure exactly what the SP is going to uh, need for um, to, to demonstrate the revenue drop other than your P&L statements or potentially your bank statements. So um, I did. Uh, so for the tax updates, there's not a whole lot. Um, I think there are there's some good news with the, the new legislation. Um, so the forgiven PPP loans are still not considered uh, gross income uh, for tax purposes. That that remained the same. Um, but, and there has been a lot of uh, confusion after the IRS released their notice that the uh, expenses covered by the PPP loans are not deductible. So they this, this bill uh, fixed that. The expenses from the initial PPP loans are, are deductible if uh, forgiveness has not occurred yet. So if you had been waiting to submit your forgiveness application um, or you're waiting and it hasn't been approved yet, um, your expenses from the initial PPP loans are will be deductible. Um, as well as expenses from the second draw PPP loans, they, they, they will also be deductible. Um, I think that's about it. There's not a whole lot um, other than that. And I, I, I know, Jeff, we talked about the um, changes to the FFCRA. Um, you might want to talk about that a little because I'm not completely clear of, of how, how what's changed there. Okay, Stacey, two, just two points there. First of all, the FFCRA mandate on sick leave, paid sick leave and uh, paid parental leave has not been extended. Those mandates end at the end of this year. But what this bill does is it says that you can take the tax credits for the payments you made for those leaves in the first, qu in the first quarterly return for 2021. So for, that, that's you, really you would take the tax credits through your 941 filing, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, th that's really the only significant change there. Okay, so um, we're gonna do what we normally do, which is take these questions, um, the ones that are voted up the most, uh, we'll take them in order, and we'll caveat this that um, our familiarity with this new statute is this is like webinar number one. So uh, we probably will be answering some of these questions because I haven't read them all um, by consensus and our, um, our success rate will be lower uh, in terms of us saying we can answer it. Um, tell you ahead of time, it's gonna be lower than it normally is. Uh, okay, idle advances will not be retracted for first rounds or just the second round loans. Um, and I'm going to check with Jeff on this. So a number of the provisions in the statute have a paragraph at the end that makes it clear that's retroactive. And I just don't remember off the top of my head whether that particular section um, does do you have you have the statute you have it in front of you yeah joe um uh okay, so i assume yeah I, I i did not see that retroactivity provision but when i when i read the the actual statutory language that talks about it not being subtracted i i simply assumed that they were talking about both especially for for people that haven't applied for forgiveness. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd at least I'd at least try that. Okay. Um, yeah. the, the, again, throughout the statute, there, there, there are three things that they say after each of the oh, 80 pages worth of sections, they either say, this applies back to the this should be incorporated in the March, March 2020 bill, or this, this applies to people that haven't obtained forgiveness, or this applies just going forward. And they didn't say any of these things there. 
They just said that the E, it's, there's really a gloss there. The EIDL advance is not subtracted from PPP forgiveness, but it can't be used for the, it can't be based on the same wages. And so that's a little bit different, but it's not going to be automatically subtracted. Yep. Okay. Um, next question. I am a single member slash sole proprietor, just myself as employee. I have held off from applying for forgiveness to see how things shake out on legislation. What is your advice on when I should apply with all the news with PPP? Should I wait until the new stimulus is officially signed? Any advice? Uh, greatly appreciate it. So on your first loan, if it's just you, sole proprietor, and uh, so the issue with being able to take the deduction um, for expenses doesn't apply because um, it's just it's just you. You're not deducting, you know, uh, other employees or rent. Um, then it probably does not matter if you have the ability to take the whole thing. And the smaller loans, which would include a sole proprietor because the maximum is 20,833, uh, there already is a one page form uh, for those for first round PVPs. So I don't think uh, there's likely any reason to, to wait. Um, in that particular circumstance. But if you uh, are, if your loans are greater than 50 uh, and below 150, um, yeah, I think that it might be a good idea to wait until the, the laws pass. Yep. Okay. Uh, will there be a new forgiveness application for the first round of PPP loans with all this new information? So, I think the answer is like for, for larger loans, the answer is likely yes. So we're not talking about that one pager, but for larger loans, the answer is likely yes, because what they will need to do is then include the broader definitions of, um, of non-payroll costs, the broader definition of payroll costs, et cetera, and, and the other aspects of the law that have been applied retroactively. So there probably will be. And to, to Jeff's point, for, for those businesses, there's no, there should be no downside in, in waiting a little bit because you have, what is it, 10 months? Um, so, you know, letting it shake out a little bit, letting them fix the applications, make them easier, that, that probably, uh, makes sense rather than rushing to forgiveness on your on your first PPP loan. You guys agree with that? Yeah, yes. I would agree. Mm -hmm. And and the other point, especially for the the uh, the people that are even the people that are uh, able to use the simplified application, they sh there's no reason to rush that either. Okay, uh, next question I think is duplicative, but Stacy, if you have anything to add to it, which is our, our expenses paid uh, with PPP round one going to be allowed as deductible on tax yeah. returns. So the answer, yeah, the, um, the answer would be yes, as long as you haven't received forgiveness yet. Yeah, yep. I agree. Um, how do the new requirements apply to 501c3 nonprofits? Has anything changed? Uh, and how do they demonstrate revenue decline? So 501c3s were included the first time around. They're still included the second time around. The things that are changed are, are what we described uh, sort of throughout the webinar, which is just the changes to the law period, uh, mm -hmm. but not specifically for 501c3s. For 501c3s, I think um, what you might want to think about is if you've had any events or programs that were canceled uh, or postponed because of the various orders in place or just social distancing uh, measures, 
Um, you might want to look at what quarter that occurred last year versus the quarter that occurred this year. Um, and then that's, that's going to probably be the, the likely um, the, 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 the quarter that has the most revenue loss, I would think. The, 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 the law does specifically refer to this and they explain that revenue, the revenue you is synonymous with receipts. So, for example, a, a charitable nonprofit organization that receives contributions, that would be revenue. And if there was a decline, that decline there would be what you, how you demonstrate revenue decline. That, that was going to, that was what going to be the question I was going yeah. to pose to you folks. So that's in for, the So donations, grant money, um, well, those, those two donations and grant money that would all, in your opinion, be considered uh, revenue um, for that entity. Yeah, right? I can't, I, I, I have a scroll feature on my computer, but I can't scroll through the 5,000 pages right now to find it. <laughs> and, and would- so Generally, generally all those types of revenues are, all, yeah. all those types of income Resources yeah. of cash are reported on your revenue statement on your 990. So I would, I would consider so those revenue. Let me go a little bit deeper into the weeds. So if you receive like those city small business grants that like the $10,000 ones, um, would that also be considered revenue? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And those are actually taxable, um, considered mm -hmm. taxable income for both. DET and income tax purposes. Okay. Um, next question I'll pose to Stacy regarding deductibility of expenses. What is the Hawaii State Department of Taxation's position for state taxes? So I don't think the state has ha had a chance to catch up yet with the, considering the law hasn't passed yet. Okay. Does idle uh, 10K exemption apply to the first round? That was the one that, that Jeff sort of went in depth on which is with which is a somewhat equivocal we think so but with some hesitation so that's but we have the fun. next question which if your pp loan p loan was already forgiven and you and and the 10,000 eidl advance was excluded you don't get to go back and get that the statute's yeah. pretty clear yeah here's here's a, a question though can you go back and get the the difference in the second time around? Can you so there's the there's a provision that says if you return money then the first time around because you were too scared because the rules they were making were super scary at one point and they were all mad at Shake Shack. Um, that you can you can get that loan again and a second loan. So th that is included in this new law. So I want, I, you know, I have no idea what the answer to this question is, but I, I pose a question as to whether things like, oh, you, your forgiveness was 10 less than it would have otherwise been. Can you then go and pick that up on a, you know, on a uh, redo of a loan? I, I think the answer is probably no, but anyway. Okay, um, uh, next question, which is a, is a good one. Inclusion of disability insurance, does it apply to TDI or work comp premium payments? I think the three of us are confident that TDI would qualify, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, uh, what about work comp? I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna say right now, take those as your, your last payroll expenses. Uh, because they're they're government they're government mandates to the extent they're government mandates, but the the, the language is in there and, and they they don't really say uh, only private privately uh, granted disability payments. But again, I I I try and get over sixty percent with everything else before relying on t t government mandated TDI or government mandated. Uh, work on it's going to show up in the rules right yeah it's going it, it, there's going to be a rule that clarifies that at some point just not yet 
Um, next question is uh, with the reduction from 10 million to 2 million, uh, will the automatic audit be changed? I have no idea. I don't think Jeff or Stacy do either. Um, next one is, does the one page form apply to loans under 150 in both rounds? Can you two remind me the current form yeah. is, it maxes yeah. out at 50, is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, yeah. Yes. So current yes. form is 50. The, the simplified application form applies retroactively. So it applies to both rounds, Kip. So the form that, that will be coming out for yes. the simplified forgiveness process for loans under 150. You should yeah, apply yeah, to both loans provided yeah. you haven't already been forgiven on the yeah, first one. That's section 307 on page 2055. <laughs> and they have, is it, is this the one where they have 24 days to put this application together from passage of yep. uh, the forgiveness application? So I, I think, and, and again, like the first webinar, um, Jeff and Stacey, correct me if I'm wrong. From the passage of the new law, SBA has 24 days to get this one page forgiveness yeah. application out. Is that right? Yeah, and they That's may not happened. require, they may not require additional materials unless necessary to substantiate revenue loss requirements or, or satisfy relevant statutory or regulatory requirements. So they have some wiggle room. Yeah, yeah. with the first, I mean, with the CARES Act, they had 30 days to publish the final regs, but we're still waiting on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, are there provisions in this new package for simplifying forgiveness criteria on the first round of PPP? I think that one has been you just answered. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we've been waiting for, for First Hawaiian Bank to put up the forgiveness portal. Um, so I, I guess what I would say to that is, uh, you know, my, our presumption is the banks are moving as fast as they uh, can move and they're doing the best they can. They're also being somewhat cautious since the forgiveness rules and application forms and the new law they keep the they seem to keep changing so for example that issue with the idle being deducted and then now not being deducted like these things are just in constant change and that kind of change i think makes um the banks somewhat um apprehensive about um saying this is it everything's clear and now we're going to process everything so I think um, the banks are the banks are probably really happy with this legislation because I know most of them lobbied really hard to um, include that you know, simplified forgiveness process for loans under one hundred fifty thousand because they just weren't they just weren't equipped to be able to to forgive to go through the forgiveness um, uh, process with that volume of loans. Um, just so you know, I think uh, the loans under one hundred fifty thousand is about eighty seven percent of all uh, PPP loans issued. So that was going to be really yeah. difficult for the, the banks to process. Yeah, there's also quite a bit of, of liability protection for the banks in this new bill. That's really pretty substantial and explicit. So hopefully that will give the banks um, a, a great bit more of a uh, deal of comfort, um, you know, uh, about going with simplified and about, you know, giving forgiveness uh, where it's where it's due. Um, okay, how are we doing? 249. Uh, let's ask or let's answer one or two more. Um, will PPP2 also have safe harbor one and two? Um, and I'm presuming these are, the, I, got, I need to go back and remember which, how we labeled them, but it's things like you could not restore FEEs due to compliance with uh, the shutdown orders. That would be one of them. The other one would be restored FTEs by certain dates, that sort of thing. Uh, 
we don't know the answer, but we think that if that it would be likely that similar exceptions would apply in here. Nothing so far has suggested that the new PPP is intended to be more harsh or more restrictive. Um, so to the extent that there were exceptions to the reduction rules before, when the reduction rules get reclarified by the SBA, we think it's probably likely that the exceptions to those rules will also be uh, re-upped. But, but Congress gave the SBA and Treasury the, the right to decide what dates would apply. So we're, we'll wait for SBA to say, you need to compare, you, you need to bring the employment levels back up at the end of your covered period to February 2020 or January 2021. Yeah. We just don't know that. Yep. Um, the next question I saw was um, shuttered venue operator grants. I'm, I'm assuming this is relating to shuttered venue operator grants. Is it administered by SBA? I think the answer is yes. It looks like the way it's drafted is that it would be directly through SBA. Yeah. Uh, is that is that right, Jeff? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then last, I, I think we'll just do this last question, um, uh, which is which communities in Hawaii qualify as low income? And that relates to the idle qualifications. Um, and I think the easiest way to do it is, I believe if you go on Senator Schatz's website, they have information about the updates to idle and there's a hyperlink on their website to an interactive map that shows the communities in Hawaii that would be designated as low income. I think that's, that's the easiest way to find that, find that map. Okay. Um, and then why don't I answer one very, um, well, that's okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's getting to time. Any, uh, final thoughts, um, or things you want to add Stacy or Jeff? I'll take no, that thank as a you. no. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, nothing. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, happy, happy holidays. holidays, happy holidays holidays to everyone. Um, thank you for joining us on 12 hours notice or whatever it is. And uh, uh, we'll keep trying to stay on top of this stuff, but um, hopefully everyone gets some rest and uh, happy holidays to you all. Take care.